Welcome, everybody, back to the Pittsburgh Oddcast. My name is Andrew Lindbergh. I'm the producer of the program. And with me, as always, is the founder of the Odd, Mysterious, and Fascinating History of Pittsburgh on Facebook, John Chalkowski. Hello. So <laughs> today uh, I bring you a special guest, and that is Rich Condon. Yep. And thanks for having me, guys. You, thanks for coming in. Thanks for coming in. And All uh, the way from Somerset, PA. All the way, well, sort of. Ran a roundabout. I way. work in Somerset. I live in Pittsburgh. But he still drove all the way from Somerset. <laughs> exactly. The drive exactly. back won't be that bad. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, we actually uh, noticed that we have a small connection in general, like uh, in our history. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that uh, I'm a 2001 graduate of North Hills High School, and he's a 2007 So you're old. only a few years apart. That's right. Yeah, we're uh, <laughs> alumni buddies. <laughs> so uh, a brotherhood of sort, right, which uh, kind of ties into this whole episode and um, and how we – we're going to talk about the history of Pittsburgh's involvement in the Civil War, individuals who uh, served in the war, uh, incidents that you might not be aware of. Some of them you might be aware of, some you might not be, and uh, and we'll go on from there. So first, I want to ask you, Rich, um, why? Now, you're younger than me, okay? A little bit. And and it's unusual for people our age, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to be interested or fascinated in, uh, you know, the deep history of anything, let alone uh, <laughs> let alone uh, a, a specific war. And um, so, my first question for you is, why the Civil War? Why the Civil War specifically? Specifically, um, because uh, I mean, of all the things, like yes, I, I, you know, I know a little bit about Civil War history. I know about yeah. you know World War One history. You know, just war history in general. Um, going back to the French and Indian days, I guess. But, you know, what drove you to kind of your concentration to be mainly about the Civil War? Is there something or... Yeah, well, I feel like a lot of people uh, from Pittsburgh and the western Pennsylvania area, naturally growing up here, um, you know, we're steeped in French and Indian War history, so a lot of people get into that. Um, I was kind of thrust into Civil War history because, you know, when I was about 12 years old... My dad took me to Gettysburg, my first time to Gettysburg. And I remember we went to Little Round Top, and it was, you know, during the busy season, I think it was in July or August, and they had reenactors on Little Round Top. Mm -hmm. And there was a guy portraying Berdan's sharpshooters. Hmm. And, you know, they're wearing these cool green uniforms, like a long frock coat, and uh, they sparked my inner nerd. Mm -hmm. And uh, I became fascinated with it. So, and I, I see that happen at a lot of national parks now and uh you know private sector parks where they have reenactors do living history and stuff like that to mm -hmm. to get uh you know younger generations interested in history right. so you're not just babbling on about something they don't care about you're seeing something in the flesh mm -hmm. and uh, i think that that's really what started it for me and then you know over the years i started getting a little more in depth with it and i guess you could say scholarly with it right and uh you know became interested in different aspects of it and finding connections to my local area to western pennsylvania and pittsburgh and mm -hmm. you know what role did we play in the american civil war i think it's right. interesting that i've been to gettysburg too as a child and i remember getting a t-shirt that said rabbit e lee and it was a rabbit <laughs> that was dressed as robert e lee and going to the wax museum and seeing the giant the battlefield yeah. map and how cool that was and go into all of those battle scenes too, but it it didn't connect with me. Mm -hmm. I think because I didn't know 
there was a, a Pittsburgh connection to the Civil War because I thought Gettysburg was the closest thing. And being from Pittsburgh, whenever there's anything to have to pull in to be proud of, you know, Roberto Clemente, he's from Puerto Rico, <laughs> yeah. but hey, no, he's a Pittsburgher. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, and the Civil War is like, hey, Gettysburg, that happened in Pennsylvania, <laughs> but only a couple Pittsburgh. hours away from us, though. Right, so right. we're taking that. That was a big win for the Union. <laughs> right. Um, so I find it fascinating that you decided to, to to continue on that path of learning. Well, I feel like that it's not, it's been touched on in the past, uh, even in the last 20 to 30 years. Um, there's been a few books that have come out on uh, Pittsburgh's role in American Civil War history, but nothing super and like i like the weird obscure odd uh right you're in the right you're on <laughs> yeah, odd stories exactly. you are on the right podcast yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah so that's exactly why i, I want the, the weird stuff that people don't talk about i mean right. you know sure uh you know we've all heard of the allegheny arsenal at least a lot of us have um you know if you you can't walk down butler street without seeing the world word arsenal posted mm-hmm. somewhere on some building mm-hmm. but there's all these you know veteran stories and soldier stories and so many other things that have not been touched on right. um, and untapped until, you know, I started doing this Civil War Pittsburgh thing last year and being able to flesh that out. Now, now for all those that are listening, uh, tell us about your Facebook group and like where, you know, where you post things and how people can follow you. Um, so, so I, um, I started Civil War Pittsburgh in early December, 2018. Um, you know, I work for the National Park Service and in my off season, I wanted to find something to kind of occupy my time and and really do something I love. Well, tell us what you do with the National Park Service. Report. I work at Flight 93 National Memorial. And what do you do there? I'm an interpretive ranger. And then what does that mean? So basically, uh, public education, public history, that's my background. And if you don't know what public history is, um, it's basically bridging the gap between academia and the general public. And I think that's yeah. really important because I have a friend that's a college professor and for the first time in his history of being a teacher, he has kids that were not alive, one year old, during 9-11. It makes you feel old. So we're now getting, yeah, exactly. But we're getting to that point where- It's become history. Yeah. It is history. And I think it's important that what you're doing, and that's only 18 years ago. Yeah. And now- we're talking about the Civil War, which was, you know, over 200 years ago. Well, 150. Yeah. 150. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the, uh, might as well be 200. It might as well, because See, the, well, I that's the even... exact point. Yeah, because so much has been lost to time. Yeah. You know, like what you know, what I specialize in is finding things that people just forgot. Yeah. It, like all these stories are not new stories. Nothing is new. <laughs> you know, You're just flushing out old things. Exactly. That, or, you know, we have the technology now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to provide us with those resources to, yeah. to flesh out those interesting stories. Like newspapers.com. Mm-hmm. You, you have access to pretty much every newspaper around the world. Ever written. Ever written, for the most part, Just that about. haven't been burned. Right. And, uh, you know, we can use that to our advantage now. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that 50 years ago. Yeah, so it's the most important aspect, I think, of, of public history and, yeah. um, and future generations. Things like, like I was able to prove, beyond a doubt, like one thousand percent, that Pittsburgh was the birthplace of hockey, or professional hockey. Okay? Wow! Like exact dollar amounts, every player, what they were getting paid, salary, not semi-pro or whatever. This yeah. was like people getting paid to play the game. We were able to prove that through extensive newspaper research, which nobody was able to do before. The yeah. only way you find this stuff would be like go to the library, find it on microfilm, 
know exactly the day you're looking for in the page, you know, or go through pages and pages. Yeah. Now it's so um, much more easier that it could help people like us. Yeah. Who you can use keywords. Yeah. Literally search keywords in a newspaper before right. you had to, you know, search through a microfilm in a library right. for eight hours to find the thing you want for some little blip that you wanted. Yeah. Now you can do it. I can whip out my phone yeah. and find that stuff in five minutes. For example, um, you know, I, we can bring this up at some point mm-hmm. throughout the episode is the um, the Civil War defenses of Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, yeah, 36 so, forts that are built around the city. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Um, when you say Civil War forts and in and around Pittsburgh, the average person would probably say, what do you mean? Uh, I thought the Civil War didn't happen in Pittsburgh. Like, I'd never heard of a battle of Pittsburgh yeah. or, you know, like, uh, like what do you mean Civil War fortifications are built around Pittsburgh? So <laughs> most people think of, you know, when you say fort, they think a castle-like structure made of stone right. with a moat around it, perhaps. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but uh, your average fort is usually made of dirt. It's usually an earthen, uh, earthen structure, I guess you could say. Um, that's thrown up sometimes fairly rapidly to defend against an enemy. Hmm. And in the case of the Civil War defenses of Pittsburgh, there's 36 of them. Some, th- some say 37 around the city of Pittsburgh in, in the heights around the city. Hmm. So if you were to go to, say, Mount Washington or the West End Overlook, think like a military engineer if you can. Now, I'm not a military veteran, but you can kind of get the general idea using common sense, maybe. Where would I put a fort if I didn't want someone coming in my city? Right, yeah. And, uh, you know, you can go to Mount Washington. There's multiple up there. There's uh, multiple in Southside Slopes area wow. around old Allegheny City or, you know, what we know as Northside. Mm. Um, and there's some that still exist today. Wow. And, uh, I mean, these these forts basically come up as... A necessity in the summer of 1863. We're all familiar with the Battle of Gettysburg. We, we just mm-hmm. talked about it a little bit. But around the time of the Battle of Gettysburg, you have the Gettysburg Campaign. Um, Northerners are worried about this Confederate army invading the North, mm-hmm. uh, most likely Pennsylvania. They pretty much have figured out they're coming into Pennsylvania. But they aren't sure where they're headed. Are they headed to Harrisburg? Are they headed to Philadelphia? They're going to try and strike Washington, D.C., or most likely Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, most people might say, why would they want to come to Pittsburgh? Well, we're a fork in the river. This is where the Ohio River starts. You have right. the Monongahela and the Allegheny Rivers right here. Mm-hmm. So it's basically a super highway in 1863. You have Allegheny Arsenal in Lawrenceville, which is, you know, producing one of the, the biggest producers of ammunition in the north. You also have Fort Pitt Foundry, which is in... The modern the strip district. And yep. And all that. Yeah, well, they're producing Rodman cannons cannon. and rifles. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so, you know, this is a, a hub for um, production in, in the North. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, you know, the, the Northerners, Pennsylvanians specifically, are worried that the Confederate Army is going to try to invade Pittsburgh, to try and take over Pittsburgh, and, uh, you know, basically t- take what is being produced at Allegheny Arsenal, Fort Pitt Foundry, mm-hmm. and snuff out the city. And it would be an easy city to, to defend if you got enough people here. Right, yeah. So they start to build these fortifications around the city in June of 1863. You know, word is getting up to uh, those in the north that the Confederate Army's on the move. They're moving quickly. These guys, you know, keep in mind, it's kind of hard for us to fathom, but they're marching 20 miles a day on average. Mm-hmm. We, I can't even, I, I can't say I've ever marched 20 miles in one day. <laughs> no. 
But <laughs> that was Martin. That was North Hills marching band. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so these guys are, you know, marching 20 miles a day. They move pretty swiftly. Yeah. You receive your news through newspapers, through word of mouth, mm-hmm. um, telegraph, but it moves pretty pretty slowly. So there's a ma- a major panic in the state of Pennsylvania, and you know you don't just have forts in Pittsburgh. There's forts actually around Harrisburg and some I believe in Philadelphia too, hmm. because of the the unknown. Right. And so starting on June 14th, 1863, as Robert E. Lee's Confederate Army is moving into Pennsylvania, Pittsburghers are now erecting these earthen forts around the city. Right. And so they uh, basically shut down every major business in the city. Um, they're going to uh, enlist every able-bodied man uh, in building these forts, and I believe they get uh, probably about eight, over 8,000 people wow. involved here. Jeez. You have, uh, for example, Fort McKeever, which is you know where Presley Ridge is. Right. Um, Fort McKeever was up there. <clears throat> it was one of the biggest forts they actually constructed around the city. Hmm. There was about 800 people working on that fort alone. Wow. And you can still find remnants of it there today. Um, they they had professional Union Army soldiers in charge and engineers in charge of uh, constructing these. So it wasn't just, you know, a bunch of uh, civilians with, with pitchforks running up there right, and, right. you know, throwing up dirt. Uh, they were well thought out and placed around the city and you know, you can still see some of them around the city today. Now, a lot, a lot of Pittsburghers, I, I, I get the impression, don't really realize how close the South really was yeah. to Pittsburgh. I mean... So think about it this way. You can drive, what, 40 minutes, 45 minutes to get to West Virginia? Right. In 1863, that's Virginia. That's <laughs> right. enemy territory. Right. Um, so that would be a one, two-day march for the Confederate Army to reach Pittsburgh. It's Jeez. not very far. That's crazy. Look at, um, you're familiar with Morgan's Raiders of course, yeah. at Western Penitentiary. Right. Those guys are caught, you know. Is it true that they were the farthest north of any? Technically, for organized you know, Confederate right. troops. It was Ohio, were, though, right? Yeah, Ohio. Um, at one point during the Civil War, there was a Confederate raid in Vermont. Wow. There, But they were like, you know, con- Confederate guerrillas coming from Canada. So it didn't, <laughs> I guess it doesn't count. Yeah. But- you know, Morgan's guys, it's an organized group of cavalrymen who are going through, uh, you know, Kentucky into Ohio, and they're eventually captured in Ohio and sent to different prisons in the north. And there's quite a few of them that are sent to Western Penitentiary right. in uh, north side, where the aviary, the aviary is, is now. Yeah. So actually, if you go to the aviary, uh, into the eagle's nest, which is covered in bird crap right you you'll you'll see a monument covered in bird crap (laughs) right uh that talks about western penitentiary and morgan's raiders being imprisoned there they say it's haunted you know because of this i haven't heard that one yeah yeah i've heard (laughs) from the higher ups i've heard it but it's the uh it's interesting so what i want to know about is before the civil you know the on the outbreak of the civil war okay so what was it like in pittsburgh in the 1850s um, and, and what was the, the, you know, general mood like, and when this is breaking out, you know, it's a civil war, so it's mm-hmm. not a foreign war. It's not something, you know, this is domestic warfare. So, yeah. um, you know, when you have just like today, people in your own family who support different beliefs and causes and, yeah. you know, how, how did Pittsburgh deal with the news or the reaction of like, how long was this bellowing in other words? So, I mean, it was brewing for quite some time, and, you know, Pittsburgh, western Pennsylvania, 
primarily a lot of unionists that live here. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know when people were taught in school about the American Civil War, they're taught, you know, black and white, right and wrong. This is how it was. If you're from the North, you strictly supported the Northern cause. That's not really the case. Right. Um, you know, just like today, people have different beliefs and they might go somewhere else to support that belief. Mm-hmm. Um, there were people from Pittsburgh who actually uh, moved south to fight in the Southern cause. Wow. And so, and I, I was showing you, you know, before we started, um, I brought some things with me. Um, and these will be these will be photos that you'll be able to see on the uh, kdkradio.com website whenever we post this. So uh, one of them is a photograph of a a soldier from Knapp's Battery. His name is John A. Fairman, and uh, John Fairman was pretty young at the start of the American Civil War. Um, he's from Allegheny City, or what we know as North Side. And he served in a uh, Pennsylvania Cavalry unit at the start of the Civil War, um, but eventually, in, in 1864, joins Knapp's Artillery Battery, and that's who he's going to serve with for the rest of the war. Um, eventually, he's going to be captured, serve some time at Libby Prison, which is in a Confederate prison camp in uh, Richmond, Virginia. But eventually, he does come home to uh, to Pittsburgh, where he lives out the rest of his life. Now. Um, also with me, I have a letter that was written by John Fairman's brother, William Thomas Presley Fairman. And this letter was actually written in July of 1864 on the outskirts of the city of Atlanta, which, you know, in, in July of 1864, there's a siege of Atlanta. This is before uh, William Tecumseh Sherman's infamous March to the Sea. And uh, William Fairman served in the 154th Tennessee Infantry, which is a Confederate regiment. And um, so William Fairman, how he ends up in the Confederate Army, there's a little bit that I'm, I'm, I'm unsure of um, because some of this was swept under the rug after the war. Mm-hmm. Um, but William Fairman worked for his uncle who actually owned a boating business, which originated in Pittsburgh and they'd float all the way down to New Orleans. One of their major thoroughfares, one of their major stops was Memphis, Tennessee, which is where William Fairman is going to enlist in August of 1861. Uh. He's going to serve with that regiment throughout the entire American Civil War. Wow. So he fights in every major campaign of the Army of Tennessee in in the Western Theater, um, including the Battle of Peachtree Creek in July of 1864, where Knapp's battery is also fighting. Hmm. And he's fighting about 150 yards away from his brother John. Right. Wow. So it's that classic brother against brother that everyone talks about when you know referring to the American Civil War being the war brother against brother. Right. But you um, didn't think about it as being a Pittsburgh, with the Pittsburgh connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You like you think that, um, it's somebody in Virginia. Right. Yeah. That lives yeah. In Virginia yeah you and then somebody. Assume. Nope. Yeah. It's, it's basically so. If you were alive, you know, we were alive, right? And in, uh, in that time period, um. How like what's do you think of the ratio of people actually join up to people that just stay home? Were people that as far passionate as, to join? I, I think war fever definitely swept across the north at the very start of the American Civil War when you know Abraham Lincoln calls for seventy five thousand troops. A lot of young guys are kind of gung ho on it. Yeah. In retrospect, we think, "Wow, you're crazy," because it turned into this four year long bloodbath with 750,000 people killed that we know of. Right. Um, we, you know, we, we don't know that they, 
Yeah, they didn't know that. In April of 1861, they thought it was going to be a short and bloodless and glorious war. Right. You know, (laughs) that's when you think of uh, the first Battle of Bull Run uh, in July of 1861. That's what people thought. They thought it was going to be a short and bloodless battle. Mm -hmm. And they saw right then and there that it wasn't going to be that way. And it just got worse and worse and worse. Right. Um, So, you know, over time, they start draft. It's when we first start drafting people in the American Civil War. You have draft riots. There was even draft riots in Pittsburgh. Wow. That take place. Um, the ones in New York City are more notorious. Uh, everyone's seen, well, most people have seen Gangs of New York, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of gives a Hollywood depiction of, um, you know, the, the draft riots in 1863 mm-hmm. that have to be put down by guys who just left the battlefield at Gettysburg. Wow. Um, so everyone was kind of torn, I feel like, after after 1861 especially. Well, with, was it the kind of enthusiasm that there was after Pearl Harbor? Initially in 1861? I think so. A lot of guys from this area especially are, are feeling very patriotic. They don't think that the southern states should be able to leave the Union and just kind of, you know, right. do whatever they want to do. Um, they believe in keeping keeping the Union together, which, you know, at the end of the day, that's Abraham Lincoln. That's your job as president is to keep your country from falling apart. Right. And that's yeah. what he was trying to do right. when he invaded the South. And um, but then you you get the um, term what was it the the war of northern aggression mm-hmm. from a lot of southerners after the fact, but a lot of these guys felt very strongly about invading the south and keeping them a part of the union even if it means you know taking up arms against them. Well, while yeah. we're talking about Abraham Lincoln, can we quickly touch on his how controversial some of the decisions he made were about you know getting rid of habeas corpus during his. Uh, his presidency and how we now kind of idolize him as we, the, we the savior of the now, union. Yeah. But mm. he wasn't when the um, Emancipation Proclamation came out. It Which was just a few days it ago. Just, it just freed yeah. the Southern slaves. Yeah. The Northern ones were still slaves. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, he was still working. He was trying to work within the, I guess, the laws at the time. Um, you know, he, he was in many cases unpopular with a lot of people. Uh, especially in the South, a lot of people hated him. Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, that goes without saying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, a- people after, still hate him down there. People, yeah, <laughs> no, I've yeah, met quite do. a few of them. Yeah, but um, you know, after his assassination, people were whistling a different tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was all is in a way. I guess he was martyred. Yeah, in a way, yeah, for sure. Um, who knows? You know, if, if he was not assassinated in 1865, how would we think of him today? Yeah, good point. Maybe, maybe not the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but who knows? We'll never know that. But you know, you, you had the um, you know about his trip here to Pittsburgh. Yes, on Valentine's Day, eighteen sixty one. Eighteen sixty one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have uh, the person who met him at the train station in uh, the Federal Street station mm-hmm. uh, was John Morrison. It was the mayor of Allegheny City at the time with his young daughter. Later mm-hmm. became the lead singer of the Doors. <laughs> <laughs> right? But uh, apparently, um, Lincoln, re- you know, leaned down to talk to a little girl, like mm-hmm. say, "How you doing?" And she screamed and. Screamed and yelled at him in his face. <laughs> yeah. But um, I own a map that hung in that John Morrison's office that was there during oh, the wow. time period when Lincoln visited. That's really cool. Yeah. And, well, that's that's what the post office is now, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And John, do you want to point out the one thing that he said about Pittsburgh? Allegheny County. It's the Banner County of the Union. That's the, that's the quote. <laughs> <laughs> that's the quote. <laughs> he the did say Banner that. Banner County of the Union. That's what he said. And he wasn't even president yet, right? Was, it was on his inaugurational trip, you know, um, to Washington, D.C., but he gave that speech from the Monongahela House. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with the bed that he slept in or whatever, you know, 
Um, but the uh, it, it, it was mainly if you ever read the speech, it's mainly about uh, trade tariffs. And yeah, stuff. yeah. So it was very like you know presidential business, presidential I things. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, not necessarily a rallying cry, you know, to to the cause. But one of the reasons why you know I love talking about history and Civil War history, especially and just it, Civil War in particular, because of how you relate history to today. Yeah. And without getting political, because I don't, it's not a political thing, you know? Yeah. It's just, you know, when you see mistakes of people that made in the past, I always talk about the 1850 mayor of Pittsburgh, Joseph Barker, and all these mm-hmm. crazy things that he did and how we just forgot about him and didn't learn a single thing. Yeah. Um, and the effects of that type of thing. Do you see parallels um, Between on, the American Civil War, or 1861 to 65, and what's happening now? Yeah. <laughs> and you think it, that gives you a reason to learn about the Civil War more? I do. So you can learn about, like, what was the cause of this, you know, how to prevent it, or how to, you know, what to do, how to deal with it. Because you had, like, these such polarizing opposite viewpoints yeah. coming to a clash, you know. And, uh, of course, we've prevented anything from happening today because it wouldn't end well. But they keep saying that, <laughs> hey, it's it's coming. There's another civil war coming. Well, let's see. But <laughs> well, is there really? No. no. Well, you know. I don't think we'll, so. We'll see after next year. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, I think we're too lazy. No, no there's, there's people out there that probably wouldn't. You know, if but someone would it be a mass If someone shot gathering. first and meant business and really wanted to start it, they could start any yeah. minute. You know, it's a sad truth. So now, how does that relate to, you know, what do you see from the Civil War that relates to today and also today? Uh, relates back to the Civil War. You know, is there com- direct comparisons from things that happened? Uh, I do see, like, uh, if you look at the election uh, between McClellan and Lincoln mm-hmm. uh, later in the war, um, you know, I, I do a lot of programs and, and talks where people, one of the questions I get very frequently is, do you, do you see another Civil War coming soon? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, not necessarily. It's been a lot worse previously but because a lot of people have not studied that uh in detail you don't realize that like that election in particular there's a lot of democrats in new york city there's a lot of people are switching over to democrats in the north uh Mm -hmm. which you know if you're familiar with the american civil war and and politics in the civil war you know you have a lot of southern democrats and um you know a lot of people thought that with that switch over in the north that the confederacy was leaning toward a victory mm-hmm. well, obviously that's not the case right were these um, northern democrats supporters of there were people who initially were supporters of the northern war effort and then after say two years three years their tune's starting to change a mm-hmm. bit okay mm-hmm. um and so they're kind of starting to sw- they're, they're favoring peace basically mm-hmm. you know let them be and let us be and uh we'll kind of live that way from here on out right right so the popular belief now is it was about slavery which was a big part of which the slavery Civil War. is is i mean <laughs> if you look at the sole reason for why it starts it is slavery mm. and i know over the years there's been a lot of people who say it states rights well what rights were you losing <laughs> right yeah. yeah exactly um but so these northern democrats were nece- weren't necessarily supporters of slavery they just wanted the war to be over yeah exactly they, mm. they there's too much bloodshed they've lost so many people at that point in time entire families are destroyed and they just want to see some kind of peace um interesting you have copperheads too mm-hmm. uh throughout the north uh, a lot of some of these people are you know supporters of of the south mm. uh that live in say pennsylvania there was quite a few uh 
I believe in southwestern Pennsylvania, and quite a few accounts written about them. Right. Um, but, you know, most of the people, like I said, in this area were union supporters. Now, what do you think of the – now, I know it's kind of a touchy subject, okay? And um, But you obviously are a Civil War reenactor, okay, or have participated in these yeah. types of things. Yep. <laughs> and you come across people. <laughs> I've done it. You know, in Virginia or wherever, you know, in the South, who are Confederate reenactors who sometimes believe that it had never stopped being the Confederacy or don't necessarily disown it or condone it. Now, it's an important aspect to know that through our family trees, no fault of our own, we've had people who fought in every kind of war you could think of. I mean, I people fought in the War of the Roses. You know, the I had people that fought for, uh, you know, the French and Indian War and the... At people that were loyalists, you know, to the British uh, during the Re- Re- American Revolution. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't blame them for anything. I certainly recognize who they are, and I learn about yeah. them. Um, but um, so, how do you navigate the the tricky path between uh, ancestor worship, uh, you know, and, and separate that from the realities of the South never really coming back? So. Uh, are you referring to kind of how some people, uh, what is it, heritage, not hate, um, that kind of thing? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like it's one thing to, to don the uniform and the rebel flag and, and participate in a reenactment. It's another thing to believe yeah. what they believe. Well, so I know a lot of, you know, and I've, I've done Confederate reenacting in the past, not because I, you know, all my ancestors were northerners. Mm-hmm. They're all from Cambria County, PA, or, or Allegheny County, um, but for the sake of teaching history, um, you know, I, I've done both of them. Right. What you know, especially for National Park Service programs, they might want you to portray a, a specific, you know, like the Fifteenth Georgia or something like that. Mm. Um, so, and obviously, I don't have any of those ideals whatsoever. I, sure, I've met some Confederate reenactors who um, who share the same point of view as their ancestors, but that's because in some cases. Um, you know, maybe they haven't left that town that they grew up in, that their right. great great grandfather grew up in. Right. Um, you're in in a lot of cases, you're a product of your environment. That's the truth. Yeah. Um, and then you know, you, you meet a lot of people who have kind of gotten out and experienced life, and you know, saw what the world has to offer, and they have a totally different view from what their great great grandfather had. Uh, you yeah. know, his his point of view. It is interesting how the Civil War, you know, um, not necessarily divides us historically yeah still um, today but it does it's a hot topic it, it kind of does you know yeah. so that's the uh that's what's interesting that's, uh, that's what i find interesting about the civil war and and learning about it and, and you know seeing these stories of the people because just like you were talking about this you know this john the, the soldier from allegheny city and his brother you know fighting on the other side yeah you know and how uh this war wasn't necessarily like you know i always assumed like the Revolutionary War, it was the Britons on, you know, coming over on boats and, yeah. you know, they're charging the coastline of Philadelphia. No, you, know? you have people already embedded there. Right. They're yeah. ready to go. But, yeah. uh, you know, take William Fairman, for example. I, I have not found anything uh, to support the idea that he was pro-slavery. Right. Even. Right. Um, well, that's the other thing, too. Like, and he lives in the North do, after the war. Right. If you were living in Tennessee... You know, and you knew this was coming up, and you grew up there. Your ancestors. You're were 20 there. years old, and all your friends are joining the army. Right. What do you do in the you south? Know? And you just and you're familiar with these people. You grew up with them. Right. You know, working down there, he just 
That's you know, he gets war fever just like everyone else in the South. Yeah. And maybe even feels peer pressure to do so. Think about um, what you were doing when you were twenty. Right. Some you know, dumb I, stuff, I, probably. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I was. Yeah. yeah. Um, like join the Confederacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. But uh, you know, he he like I said, he eventually does come back to Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and him and his brother John, who I mentioned before, they end up running a funeral home out of Northside. And sure, maybe they had some awkward Thanksgivings after eighteen sixty five. Yeah. Um, but as far as I know, from what I've read, you know, in letters and correspondence, they they get along very very well uh, in the late nineteenth century. Interesting. Like I was telling you before, um, before we started recording, uh, I got a hold of his grandson mm-hmm. just about two years ago, who was living in New England. Had no idea his grandfather was a Confederate veteran. Wow. Because um, you know, after he got home, it was just kind of brushed under the rug they just forgot about it right yeah. right uh never talked about it well can you imagine the uh thanksgiving where you know the union brother you know well you know we have abraham lincoln thank for thanksgiving that's why we're here <laughs> that's why we have all this food and the confederate press like, ah. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh, I, mean, I imagine you know and just with the veteran society you know it, it, it and same type of thing like you know you you, you a veteran of the Civil War from the South comes up here, you know, and lives here for the rest of his life. Is he welcome in the GAR? Not in the, well, GAR. Not the GAR, but but, yeah. but I mean, like, that's obvious. You get but, but I mean, like, you know, just unless someone knew what you did. I mean, I've I've actually even found an account um, up in uh, Tarentum, the, uh, the old YMCA hall. Do you know where that is? Yeah, yeah. It's I think, Gatto Bikes now. Hmm. Um, there was a reunion, uh, I believe it was somewhere around 1910. It was 102nd Pennsylvania Infantry, mm. which a lot of those guys are from Allegheny County. Uh, there's quite a few of them from that area as well. Um, but they, they have a reunion at that, uh, YMCA hall. Mm. And one of the people that was welcomed there that took part in the ceremonies was a veteran of the Stonewall Brigade. Oh, wow. And, you know, he was welcomed with open arms and, you know, they essentially made up and that's not the case across the board right a lot of people didn't necessarily hold grudges i mm-hmm. guess you could say but they didn't agree either right you know and after around the time of the spanish-american war when we're trying to promote unity in america politicians are trying to promote that idea that oh well the union veterans and confederate veterans have all sh- you know shaken hands and made up that's not the case across the board and right, in some yeah. cases it is but not not everywhere well i mean you look at these documentaries where soldiers return to vietnam or they go to a um, normandy event where there are german soldiers there mm-hmm. as well and they kind of just mingle um, amongst each other and they were on opposite sides at the time yeah but now they're you know yeah, well, swapping I mean, war you, stories and like yeah. hey remember that yeah. time i tried to kill you yeah, yeah. i mean yeah. What, what are you gonna do i mean that's the thing you know that that's that's war you know and um it, the unique thing about the civil war the fact that it was domestic you know and, mm-hmm. and um you didn't really have that happen since the, the revolutionary war yeah and, and um you know in the french and indian war before that really and you know skirmishes but it's like just interesting to think about that fact you know yeah so other Pittsburgh connections, other Pittsburgh stories that you might think that most people don't know. So we we know the arsenal, like you mentioned, the worst civilian disaster in the Civil War. The arsenal, um, and uh, we talked about the defenses. Well, I showed you these stereo views, yeah, which you can also post on your site here too. But um, so for those of you who don't know what a stereo view is, it's basically a a photo taken and then you 
the photographer moves over, say, an inch or so, takes another photo. And this is kind of your first, um, it's the earliest version of, I guess you could say, what, like a 3D viewfinder. Yeah, viewfinder. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And the, um, the earliest version of like a motion picture. Yeah. Basically, yeah. 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 They're super popular in the 19th century. Uh, you see them all over the place. You can go to really any antique shop and find piles of them with yeah. random stuff from different countries. Anyway, <laughs> these ones that I have here with me um, are taken in 1894, actually September 11th, 1894, uh, at the GAR parade. And for those of you who don't know what the GAR was, it's short for Grand Army of the Republic. It's essentially the grandfather of the American Legion or the VFW uh, it was a, a Union veterans group. Um, and in 1894, uh, they met here in Pittsburgh. There was about 400,000 of them that met oh, here in Pittsburgh, yeah. which surpassed our population of the city. Yeah. So there's people actually taking these veterans into their homes uh, and, and housing them and feeding them uh, wow. throughout the course of this event. But uh, this grand parade took place on September 11th, 1894. Hmm. They marched all through downtown Pittsburgh and Allegheny City. Um, and, you know, swapped stories. And, and a lot of the stuff we were talking about, you know, newspapers.com before mm. and finding accounts, you find a lot of, if you're looking in 1894, anything civil related, a lot of it is based around September of 1894. Talking about these Union veterans. And these guys are, you know, giving their firsthand accounts to uh, to Pittsburgh newspapers. Wow. Talking about their, why, why are they here? What unit did they serve with? Mm. And, um, you know, running into old buddies that they hadn't seen in, there's a lot of uh, memorabilia from the GAR that's out there. Uh, oh yeah, that I've seen. I, I've even found people that have metal detected around, like some birds, some somebody did on a Camp Horn Road, and they found really? a uh, and they found a GAR pin just laying awesome. there on the road. Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, you know, well, like it's all. It was so. Um, I didn't realize it was that many people. So uh, these guys yeah. are in their, these I mean, guys are in their like fifties or sixties at that point. At yeah, point. You, yeah. The last Civil War veteran dies off in the nineteen fifties. Wow, that's and that's crazy. the point when the GAR just basically dissolves. Yeah. But um, you know, for for anybody who hasn't been, have you been to the uh, Thomas Espy post in Carnegie? No, it's amazing. No. Really? So it's the most well-preserved GAR post in the country. Wow. And where's this um, at? In it's in Carnegie, uh, the Andrew Carnegie Free Library Music Hall. Yeah. Um, if you go there, it's it's free. Uh, it's open on Saturdays. Hmm. And you can just walk up, and it's essentially a museum. So that SB po- the, the Thomas Espy post um, was named after a Union officer who was killed during the Seven Days campaign. Hmm. And uh, you know these these guys for a while didn't have a home base; uh, they just kind of moved around to different libraries and halls and stuff like that. Um, and eventually. They they strike a deal with the Carnegie Library in Carnegie shortly after it's built, where they are given a room to have their meetings on a monthly basis. Hmm. And so these guys all bring in artifacts and things that they had from the war and stored them there. And they essentially, they came up with a catalog. So if you go to the GR post, you can find one of these catalogs that they published, I believe it was 1910. Wow. And it, it has, I believe it's I think 178 items. Hmm in that room. Wow. And it's from all years of the Civil War, but most, you know, all from, from Pittsburgh guys. Hmm. And um, eventually those guys all die off and the room is sealed off and those things are left there. Wow. And in the 19, I believe it was the 1980s, um, that room was rediscovered. There was a, you know, there was a bookshelf put in, 
in front of this door. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. It's yeah. uh, so anyway, uh, we were talking about Mike Mike Kraus earlier. Right. He was the one who went through that room and cataloged, wow. recataloged everything. What an opportunity! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, they they go through recatalog everything, and you know the place was kind of a mess because. I think there was a like a hole in the window or something. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, kids might have broken in there sometime throughout the 20th century. Uh, and there's a few things missing. Ruffians. So, ru- some ruffians <laughs> playing about in the trees. Right. And um, so anyway, they eventually catalog everything and they restore the room. And just a few years ago, reopened it as uh, essentially a museum piece. Wow. That's amazing. Yes. And that's, that, that is a stone's throw from where we are recording right now. Yeah. Right, yeah. So you can actually go in there and uh, you can check out the remaining pieces that are there. They sampled, uh, I believe, some uh, like the paint paint samples, redid that. Hmm. It's amazing. Jeez. Um, so you kind of, it's like, check it out, yeah. yeah, it's like stepping back into the early 20th century, seeing where these Union veterans were, right. were hanging out. So what's um, one of your favorite stories to tell for the uh, Civil War history of Pittsburgh in general my my favorite story I usually I mean usually it's the Civil War defenses yeah because that's just something that people can't fathom forts being built on the city know, in fact before I met you know you virtually yeah <laughs> I've met maybe two people you know that yeah. even knew that it existed uh let alone um you know where they actually were located you know or have seen them in person I did a, a little bit of research actually and if you know in my off season from the National Park Service, I have a lot of time on my hands, which is mm-hmm. awesome, but also a little bit of a curse. <laughs> and I went to uh, the Carnegie Library in Oakland, and they actually have a, a really great collection there of photos that are taken in the mid-1890s. Wow. There's a guy named Dr. David Breed. Hmm. Uh, he was a, and, you know, back in those days, doctor could mean reverend, which he was. Right. Uh, he was a um, religious professor. Um Actually, I believe in Northside at the uh, the theological seminary. Interesting. So anyway, he he goes around to these different forts, the remaining forts in the 1890s, and photographs them. Hmm. So if you go to that library and check out their collection, you can see the photos of those remaining forts. Or like which, scan them, and put them online. Or that's what I've done. <laughs> so, yeah. I have a picture of all all those forts. Um, yeah, it's but it's kind of cool seeing Pittsburgh from that point of view, where these forts are still pretty well preserved. You know, about 30 years later. Yeah, wow. I don't think that anybody listening thought about how integral and how seriously the Civil War affected Pittsburgh. Yeah. I'm 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 blown away the you entire can episode. Go to go to Allegheny Cemetery and take a walk around and you'll notice a ton of Civil War veterans or guys who were actually killed in service. Yeah. In um, fact, uh <laughs> there there's uh there's most cemeteries around Allegheny County were created during that time period. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, one of the early national cemeteries is in Allegheny Cemetery. Wow. You can see quite a few, you know, we mentioned Morgan's Raiders earlier. Mm-hmm. There's a few guys buried there that actually died while imprisoned at Western, Pen- Western wow. Penitentiary. Or guys that died, you know, Pittsburgh is a big thoroughfare. You have a lot of trains coming through here. Some mm-hmm. Confederates maybe died, um, you know, in transition or even, you know, Union soldiers died here of sickness. Mm-hmm. There's some major hospitals here. Too. Even when I was young and I went to Gettysburg for the first time, it was shell. I was kind of shell shocked to see how many graves there are there. Yeah. Um, and just to know that that's not the only place where they where they they were buried. Yeah. That was just Gettysburg. That's the how f- many people. And it's the perished. first time that 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 we've experienced that rate of death on American soil. 
Right. The American Revolution doesn't even hold a match to it. Um, obviously, it was an important it was an important war and engagement, but the American Civil War, you know, when you uh, basically put advances in weaponry up against dated tactics, you're just slaughtering people by the thousands. Yeah. You have you have actual yeah. rifles, and which are super accurate instead of just normal smoothbore muskets. Right. And you're standing these guys up against each other, fifty to hundred yards away, and just blowing away at each other. And and the gunboats that they had. Yeah. Now did the Union have gunboats go through the three rivers? At- uh, not that I'm aware of, but I do know that um, you know we are, we at the time we were the Iron City. Uh, we right. definitely contributed a lot to uh, building those boats, uh, definitely. Um, not only boats, but we also contributed a lot of artillery and a lot of muskets from, you know, we were discussing Allegheny Arsenal earlier. Um, right, in the Fort Pitt Foundry with the Rodman Cannon. Rodman Cannon is the largest cannon ever produced. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, it's just amazing how 20-inch shells. <laughs> <laughs> Pittsburgh it played an integral part in the French and Indian War. How in World War II, it was all the um, the boats that landed on Normandy and steel and the yeah. steel, and how Hitler basically had us on the top five targets yeah. if they came to America. Mm-hmm. And then you have, I didn't think about this in the Civil War, how and how in, today you have the technology of Carnegie Mellon that is the the future of warfare. It is. It yeah, is fu- that's the, that's a scary thing. Yeah, because the uh, the future of warfare has was burnt. This is where Terminator begins. Yeah, Skynet <laughs> is in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. <laughs> so it's the uh, um, you know it's scary to think about you know but uh, you know all the drones and things like this and yeah most a lot of the military black budget goes straight here to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, Are you familiar with the um, the Christmas of eighteen sixty almost riot in Lawrenceville? No, tell me about it. Okay. Yeah. So and this also ties into Allegheny Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you were asking earlier how, how Western Pennsylvanians and Pittsburghers felt about uh, the looming war. And um, I don't know if you ever heard of John B. Floyd before. He was the Secretary of War in the administration of James Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Floyd was a Virginian. He was actually governor of Virginia at one point in time and uh, obviously had Southern sympathies. So around Christmas of 1860, he actually sent out an order to have guns shipped from Allegheny Arsenal south on the Ohio River <laughs> to right. forts that were being constructed in Texas and Louisiana. Oh, jeez. And, um, you know, he, he was playing it off very harmlessly, and obviously Pittsburghers kind of knew where he was going with this. He knew he was a, a Southerner. They, these people understood that we were so close to war that they weren't going to let it happen. Mm. So... uh John Symington, Colonel John Symington, who was uh, in command of Allegheny Arsenal at the time, is complying with those orders. And he's like, all right, we'll just, you know, pop these guns on the boat and send them on down south. <laughs> and, uh, you know, these people start assembling in Lawrenceville, and they were very close to rioting um, when these guys were starting to load these guns on the boats. Wow. And eventually uh, there's enough fuss put up that uh, they recalled that order. It was never done. And wow. Symington resigns his... Jeez. From from Secretary wow. of War not too long after and is going to join the Confederate Army <laughs> at the very start of the war. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. Right. he's very um, uh, at the Battle of uh, Fort Donelson in eighteen sixty two. He's pretty well known for uh, wow. fleeing that debacle. I, well, there is a rumor, you know, that the Allegheny Arsenal explosion was not an accident. 
Yeah, they thought there was some foul play. There is accounts in the papers at the time that that they you know there were Southern sympathizers, you know, sympathizers. They were referring to John Symington, okay, because <laughs> of go. that, right. Right. and because uh, John Symington's daughter actually married a uh, Confederate officer. Wow. Um, and I believe she she wore a um, a Confederate brooch to church. Wow. Every once in a while, so they thought that he maybe had some Southern sympathies too. Hmm. They tried to slam some of the blame on him after the explosion. Wow. Even though he he did some things to try to prevent that from happening. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So. But did he really? <laughs> but did he really? <laughs> Was right. he just kind of covering himself up? <laughs> right, right. So um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, uh, again, let's talk about where people can find you, um, how they can follow you, how they can contribute their yeah. own family stories. Because that's the thing. A lot of what we do, you know, we don't know everything. You know, mm-hmm. we, we depend upon the the relatives of some of these veterans you know or people that have done historic things yeah whether you think it's a history or not you know just your own family member fought in the regiment and here they are you know and where can someone share that information with you so uh civil war pittsburgh we're on uh facebook and instagram and that was kind of the 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 social media launch pad for this whole thing Mm -hmm. uh but i will be launching a, a website here in the near future so you know i post a lot of um you know, short stories, things like that, accounts, um, and, and locations from around the Western Pennsylvania and uh, in Pittsburgh area. Um, but I want to post some more in-depth stuff. So once once we get that website going, you know, you'll be able to find those in-depth stories there. Um, you know, if you do have any kind of stories or uh, artifacts, things like that you'd like to share, I'm always open to uh, people sending those in. How do people get a hold of you? Email or? Um you can message me on Facebook, or uh, if you want to email me, it's uh, rich at civilwarpittsburgh.com. Um, you know, we do have a, a newsletter uh, that we send out, so we will have a, a sign-up sheet basically on the website. Um, and, you know, we have some some upcoming programs, stuff like that, where people can attend and, um, and you know, sign up there. Yeah. Um, actually, today... Uh, Civil War Times magazine dropped in stores. That's right. Yeah, I saw and, <laughs> you. I saw that you contributed to that. Yeah, yeah. they they did a um, they did a piece on you know I don't know if you've heard some people were saying that visitation at national parks, Civil War battlefields specifically, has dropped in the last couple of years. Hmm. You know, like interest has dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically took opinions of twenty different Civil War historians, and uh, you know we kind of explained why isn't necessarily dropping. Interest is actually very high right now, mm. even if you don't realize it. Right. Um, but that that uh, issue of Civil War Times just went to stores now. So it's definitely something to check out. Um, Pick a copy up of Giant Eagle. Yeah, get, get one of Giant the, Eagle. Is that the October issue? It is November? actually the December issue. Okay, so we'll <laughs> it's the December, December issue. We got some December issue. All right. It's on, on magazine time. Uh, you know, I, I actually I write for another blog called Pennsylvania and the Civil War, and it's me and a couple other uh, younger historians, Civil War historians from you know various backgrounds in different parts of Pennsylvania, and we try to cover those. You know, we, we cover the um, the controversial subjects. Mm. We don't shy away from it. Um, because, Nor should you. I no, mean, you no, shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But we we cover it. We we face it head on, and it's it's something that you should uh, embrace in a lot of cases. Um, you know, mostly understand. It's something you should understand. We cover everything. We don't just cover. Uh, you know guys on the front we cover the home front we cover um you know abolitionists we color co- co- cover u.s color troops mm-hmm. 
you know, something that not everyone covers all the time. And, you, you know, that's also kind of odd history. Right. Little things that's that people truth. aren't touching on. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, I tell people, you know, it's called odd, mysterious, fast. It's really all just fascinating. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah just called it's the fascinating out history. the unknown. Yeah, that's what it is, you know, and uh, you are definitely a component of that. That's why I wanted you on the show. Well, because, I appreciate you, you know, having me. I could see your passion is clear, you know, through what you do. And it's appreciated by a large group of us. You know. Judging by all the stuff I have laying on the desk in front of you right now. <laughs> Some word, no, <laughs> le- literal letters right in front of me. Yeah. So, yeah, very cool stuff. And um, it's, it's exciting to know that there's still people that are bringing this history yeah. back to life. Right. Like, jo- like John is doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, and it's just the, and like how you're doing, you know, and, and it really does, um, you know, show, you know, that there's a passion of people who care about the history. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, an older generation, they always think, um, you know, or seem to think at least that people just kid, don't care. Kid, kids, kids don't, don't like don't it care, anymore. You know, kids, nope. kids do care. Well, we. They're on that MySpace. <laughs> right. They're on that MySpace. <laughs> yeah. On that book of faces. <laughs> we, uh, we did an event at Allegheny Cemetery a few weeks back. Um, they had their 175th anniversary celebration. Mm-hmm. They called it a Heritage Fest. And so they asked Civil War Pittsburgh to have a, a table and a tent there and you know, provide a tour. Now, mm-hmm. I wasn't able to attend because I had to work, but um, I actually had Michael Krause lead the tour. And um, from the people we had working the event, uh, they, they told me we had about 50 to 60 people show up for the tour alone. Wow. Yeah. Um, so obviously that alone shows there is still interest in the American Civil War and learning about it. Um, you know, oh, yeah. people are interested in learning about their hometown. Yeah. Doesn't matter what era or period it is. People love, uh, you know, your stuff especially because they like learning the odd, right? <laughs> the odd history of their exactly, hometown. Yeah. You know, if someone pit- tells me the biggest cannon ever was made right yeah. in my own backyard. Yeah. I'm going to be like, "What?" you know? I'm going to tell someone else that story. Yeah. I and think I, this is a book. I don't know if oh, you've yeah. ever considered writing a book about this. I mean, I've been to Harper's Ferry and it's nothing but it's like a Barnes and Noble, but it's all Civil War yeah. books. <laughs> well, I mean, there's already there's a few uh Civil War Pittsburgh books out, not not my books, but you know, other ones that are, have been written in the past. Um you know, if I could collect my thoughts enough, maybe I could. But yeah, ditto, it, man. I'd love to do a, b- <laughs> yeah. a bunch of different uh, yeah. obscure stories of uh, Civil War Pittsburgh. And we'll have you back on to talk about it. Yeah, there I'd love to. We'd love to have you back on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, because that, that's the thing. You know, um, it's clear from learning about the Civil War history or learning about all history that if you fail to learn from it, you're doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And Civil War is the biggest Thing you don't want to repeat <laughs> so yeah that's a that's a huge mistake you really need to learn from it so <laughs> please check out his sites civil war pittsburgh anywhere you can find i'm sure you could google it you know and you'll find some information about you and and your group and the tours and the talks that you do give yeah and we'll have plenty of them coming up here in the fall and winter time and we'll be putting links on to kdk radio page yeah. whenever we post this so and uh well, thank you for coming in again. Yeah, thank you for and, having uh, me, guys. We end every episode while saying uh, that's it, Fort Pitt. So if you join me, that's, that's it, it, Fort, Fort Pitt. Pitt.